Hello everyone, it is Olivia here with Cold Open. Welcome to season four of To The Heights. That's crazy. Um, I can't believe we're here. But the episode that you are about to hear was recorded live in quotation marks, um, not really this year, for Seek 21, this year's focus conference that happened in the beginning of February. Um, it's kind of a part two because Last year when we recorded at the Media Feed booth, actually live in front of a live audience, um, we had Father Cassidy Stinson, and Father Cassidy Stinson is back again to do the Sikh conference with us this year. So this episode was recorded back then for that conference. It was exclusive content, um, but it is an absolute joy to share, and I hope that you enjoy. I will see you next week with back to our regularly scheduled content of To the Heights. Enjoy! Seek 21. My name is Olivia Colombo. I am a young Catholic changemaker, a journalist, and a soon-to-be social worker, and you are listening to the To the Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. On To the Heights, we interview changemakers, young and old, people who are working for social justice within the church and within the world. We are inspired by the words of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, um, which is our namesake for the podcast, and his catchphrase, Verso Le Alto. Um, and we interview people who are reaching to the heights in their own section of the world, in their own communities, much like we talk about in this episode, the whole mantra of finding your own Calcutta. The Grexley Podcast Network is a division of the Catholic TV Network, which is an international TV station run out of Boston. Um, I have had the joy and privilege of recording and hosting this, our flagship podcast, To the Heights, for the past several years. Um, and Grexley has grown to encompass about a dozen podcasts now, um, which is super exciting, um, and I absolutely love working there. So we are going to share with you a little reunion podcast episode today, because at the beginning or end of every season so far, we've done an Ask Olivia episode where listeners get to send in questions for me to answer about the season that they just listened to, about the guests, about social justice, um, Catholic social teaching, me, my life, my faith life, um, etc. I kind of get, <laughs> I get a taste of my own medicine. I'm always firing away the questions at other people, um, but now <laughs> it gets turned back on me. However, last year at SLS um, in Phoenix, we had so much fun um, recording in the media feed booth, which this is, if you're listening at Seek, this is the virtual media feed booth. But last year, it was a super cool retro van that was kind of like retrofitted with a podcast recording studio. And Father Cassidy Stinson at The Happy Priest on Twitter, you might have seen him there. Um, he and I recorded an episode together where we both took questions for each other and for both of us, um, and we had an absolute blast um, and got to meet a ton of listeners, and the podcast gained a bunch of new listeners, and we got to hang out with other podcasters. It was super fun, um, so I am so excited to be back um, and experiencing this virtual format, um, and I know that Focus has been working really hard, and all of the creative minds behind Focus are going to put on a great conference this week, um, given all of the challenges this year has brought. So, Father Cassidy um, is a priest in Virginia, 
Um, he is the youngest priest in his diocese. He is a beautiful friend of mine. He has a wonderful devotion to St. Therese, which we will explore heavily in this episode. So without further ado, here is Father Cassidy Simpson um, in an Ask Olivia and Ask Father Cassidy episode of To the Heights. We are back with the To the Heights podcast. This feels so funky. Um, it has been so many months since I've recorded. I think it's been since November and it's now February, um, which is crazy. But we have a returning guest um, who might win the award for most times on the podcast now. I think, yeah, number three. Would you like to Possibly. introduce yourself? <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. I'm Father Cassidy Stinson. And this is, yeah, I guess this is my third time back now. Um, mm -hmm. This is just past our one year anniversary of the first time we did an episode together. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we should just make a, a tradition. Um, we podcasted together for the first time in the van life, um, the wonderful media feed booth last year at SLS, which was a wonderful retro van um, outfitted with a podcasting studio, which was pretty cool in my opinion. And I am very sad that we are missing out on the van this year, but this Zoom podcasting has taken over. So here we are. You do um, what you can. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we did Zoom podcast one time after that in our very well-loved how not to lose your soul in quarantine episode, um, which was- That was like on. back before they'd, that was back before they'd sent you a good microphone too. Yes, that was. You were like, right. you were like running on like a, a, a sort of thread budget for your, uh, yes. your equipment. Oh, and I sent you a picture of what I, I had like this little podcasting mic back, or not even podcasting. It was so tiny and it like, yeah, it was from back from like the dark ages of Olivia doing YouTube. Um, and I had it stacked on like two candles or something stupid like that. Um, it was not, and like, if I hit it, it, yeah, no, not. We've, we've upgraded since. Um, Catholic TV has adapted to the challenges of Zoom podcasting, so. And I'm working at Catholic TV, officially working, um, which I was not at that point either, wow. I don't think. Yeah, I'm, Good you. yeah I'm a, a Grexley intern, um, and I am the one responsible for putting up all of the lovely podcasts that people love, like the St. Dipna's Playbook, Tommy Ty's podcast, and all of our others. So Yeah, but unironically, you do have some lovely podcasts coming up, so people should listen to those if they haven't. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for the pitch, which speaking of podcasts, I'm just that, saying, yeah, um, that was, that was a very smooth transition there. Would you like to tell us about your podcast? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's like a little fun side project. Um, so I, uh, I sort of co-started a couple months ago, a podcast with a good friend of mine, Shannon Monahan. Um, she's from Pittsburgh. She's a young adult. Uh, we met through the internet, which seems to be how I meet a lot of my friends these days. Yes. Um, we met actually for the first time, the, the first time we ever met in person was when she was coming up in line to get a blessing at my priestly ordination. That was oh. the first time we ever met in person. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but she's become a very good friend. And um, fittingly, our podcast is all about holy friendship. Uh, it's called the Side by Side Podcast. And what we've been doing is we sort of alternate between uh, reflecting on modern experiences of friendship in a Catholic context 
and then comparing it to and drawing insight from uh, the relationships between the saints and their friendships that they had. So we do a lot of looking at uh, old letters and stuff uh, from the saints, writings from the saints, stories about their lives. We've done a series of letters from St. Clair to St. Agnes of Prague. That's a series we finished recently. So we're just kind of unpacking those. We'll do a first read on a lot of these letters. And then just say, like, how do these principles apply to friendship in the modern church context? What does that look like? What can we bring from our different perspectives as a priest, as a laywoman, uh, and just kind of bounce stuff off each other? It's really fun. Yeah, yeah, super fun. And where, in, in good podcaster nature, where can people find this podcast? People can find the Side by Side podcast on all your favorite podcasting <laughs> apps. Um, we are also... We have, I mean, we're technically on different social media, but really the only one I've kept very active is Twitter, fittingly yeah. enough. Um, <laughs> we we do have a Facebook and an Instagram, but neither of those has been updated a lot. So that's just me because I run all of them and I don't have time for all of them. Yeah, I, I feel that deeply. Like yeah. you can never, I feel like I alternate between all three of them, more so not Facebook. Fa Facebook just gets shares from Instagram. Like that's how that happens in the to the heights realm of things but like I can never I can never like keep all three of them doing well at the same time it's always like I don't know I'll be on my Twitter game for like a short period of time and then like I don't know I go to Instagram and like the Instagram like I don't know the Instagram Catholic vibe the female Catholic Instagram vibe like you know what I'm talking about like the like blessed is she I like do. Yeah, the like running through a field of flowers. That it's like extremely light, extremely airy, like yes. bespoke sort of, you know, mm -hmm. happy photography experiences. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. Every once in a while, I have no idea how to produce anything like that. I just like I take pictures of the fish I catch and put them up alongside pictures of my church. Yes, and that does extremely well. <laughs> Perhaps even better sometimes. Um, I wish people could see the face you just made. Um, <laughs> I'll take a screenshot later. Oh, good. Also, speaking speaking of video that people can't see, I, I am in my apartment. You are in your rectory, presumably. Is that a reliquary behind you? That is. That is St. Therese of Lisieux hanging out on my bookshelf. That That's cool. There's a question about her. I don't know if you saw that in there that someone asked. I did. Uh, I love that question. It's a great question. We'll get to it. Yes. And I, I got a little uh, sad is not the right word, but if people listened to our episode last year in the van, either live or after the fact, there was, I, I believe I, you're, you're making a, why are you sad face? Remember how I was like, I, I have Therese issues and <laughs> more, so, <laughs> more so like she has intensely been stalking me my entire life <laughs> The reliquary is just like, oh, yep, move it to the foreground. Yep. <laughs> okay. Therese, you can join the conversation. Um, and last year, you very much like pushed me and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. It was like, it, it was new over New Year's. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do in 2020. You're just like touching the reliquary. <laughs> okay. Um, I, <laughs> yes, she can join us for the podcast. And I am... Anyway, my sadness is from the fact that 
I had made such a resolute, like I, I got story of a soul after the fact I was going to read it over spring break and then everything fell apart and I did not do that. So perhaps we're going to try once again this year. I'll just send you pictures of the reliquary until you do. Okay. <laughs> She'll stare at you. No, it's yeah. definitely read it. I love it. I mean, I know I said this in probably every podcast I've ever done, but it's such a good book. Um, mm. It's one of those things I can come back to over and over again, just because she has really good insights on how to get holy in ordinary situations. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah. It's on my bookshelf. It's, it has literally, this, this proves that I made a good effort. The book itself is water stained now because it has traveled with me. I, ha I haven't opened it, but it's traveled with me so many places with the intention of reading it that it nice. like got wet in the rain and like it came with me to outdoor adoration like every night over the summer. Um, it's like when you have a Bible and you take it all over the place. You know, you might not always be reading it, but at least yes. it's getting around. Yes, that, that is true. Yeah, I, I felt that way about, I just finished a journal. I posted pictures of it, I think on To The Heights. I finished a journal that was like a thick journal and wow. I had been working on it for like three years. And it like, it, it always made me happy because it has like the back cover. It was like a fabric cover and it has a footprint of someone's chacos from the Dead Sea. It like fell out of my backpack and someone stepped on it. <laughs> That's kind of um, a cool memento though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I quite appreciate that. My current journal does not, it's not that exciting. It hasn't been anywhere but my bedroom, which is unfortunate. I mean, full disclosure, that's pretty cool that you finished the journal. I have never in my life finished a journal. Really? I'm really bad yeah. at journaling. It is like mm. one of my great weaknesses, I think. Uh, I do not uh, journal well. That's that that can be your challenge. <laughs> I don't know. I journaling is my like, I don't know. I have prayer journals from when I was like super young. Um, and I just like kept, kept going with it. It wasn't always a healthy, I don't know. There, there was more like in my younger teenage years of like forcing myself, like you must journal every night because this is what we do. Um, and then I don't know, more phases of like, I don't know, this is what we do when we feel like it. And when we feel called to and such. So. That's probably the better attitude of the two. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it actually, ironically, this is, this is a funny story. This is an email that did not make it into the podcast. Um, and I almost can guarantee that the, the email sender is not listening to the podcast though. I really think he should and shout out to Richard if he's listening. Um, but he saw, <laughs> I forget about these all the time, but I had a mini series on Catholic TV when I was 15 maybe um they're terrifying to me other people still moderately enjoy them um but it's like I don't know junior year in high school Olivia like talking about things that she thought she knew about when I don't know I can't watch them back anymore because like I should have grown since then um yeah but anyway Richard emailed me about the prayer journaling one um, today and he saw it after daily mass because he is a daily mass watcher from Switzerland um, and he the prayer journal episode came on afterwards um, and I tell all sorts of funny stories of my prayer journaling woes and he appreciated it and I appreciated Richard so shout out to Richard yes. shout out to Richard yes 
Um, which speaking of emails, look at our smooth transitions again. Um, I pulled questions. So traditionally we're going into, we're going into season four of the podcast and wow. we, I know, isn't that, yeah, it's exciting and also terrifying. Are you going to keep um, the same, I mean, like no spoilers if you don't want to, but are you going to keep the same theme? Like, are you going to keep running with the social justice thing? Or are you going to change it up? So we're slightly going back to like more of a, like last Hope in Humanity season three was more of like a secular social social justice. Like we had lots of like secular leaders on. I'm going slightly back more in the Catholic realm, but we are keeping the social justice theme for sure. Um, we actually have three and I hope it stays three now that I'm announcing it, relatives of saints um, coming on. Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> Therese approves um, in the reliquary. Yes, uh, I am quite excited for this season. We have we have some like really solid people um, and it is airing March 1st, um, the day before my 20th birthday. Um, yes, but this, this will be episode one. So for people who are listening to it at Seek, they're getting the super exclusive sneak peek, which is the the purpose of the, all of the podcasts um, during the conference is that they're exclusive content that will not be published anywhere for a little while. Um, yeah, yeah. So very exciting things. Um, but we usually do the Ask Olivia episode around the beginning or end of every season. Sometimes it rolls over into the beginning of the next one. But now we are going to do an Ask Olivia and Ask Father Cassidy because hey. that's more fun. Um, and it's like the anniversary of our van thing. So we had people email in questions. I've been getting emails for weeks. Some of them very funny. Some of them very interesting. Some of them I just answered personally because they were personal anecdotes um, and questions. And then we gathered a few from Twitter and Instagram and I sorted through them and we're going to see what we can get through. Sound like a plan? Yeah, let's rock and roll. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, so this this email, we're starting off with it because it just makes me so happy. It, I was in class when I got this email earlier and the subject line was buying a church. <laughs> As one does. Yes, so this email is from Simon. Hi, I saw, I saw your call on Twitter for topic requests and I have a doozy. My family and I are looking into buying a larger home. In several instances, we've come across churches for sale that are attractively priced. Here are just a few. And Simon provided us some beautiful, did you click through these links? No, I really should do that. There, yes, <laughs> let me know what you think. Um, I'll read the rest of it. But he, he provided some links of some churches for that are for sale in his area, presumably his area. I'm not that, I don't know. Um, and he said, what are the canonical rules around buying churches and converting them into residential homes? For instance, some Protestant churches still have built-in baptismal fonts that would need to be removed. Thanks, Simon. All right. Well, I, I love this. That's a great question. Yes. Um, I'm going to preface all of this by saying I am not a canon lawyer, nor do I play one on the internet. So please consult an actual member of your diocesan chancery if you want really practical and actionable information on how to apply this. Yes. So that being said, consult Canon 1222, subparagraph two, Look if you want you some go. information. This is what Google is for, um, which reads, 
Where other grave causes suggest a church no longer be used for divine worship, the diocesan bishop, after having heard the presbyteral council, can relegate it to profane but not sordid use, with the consent of those who legitimately claim rights for themselves and the church, and provided that the good of souls suffers no detriment thereby. Um, so I think the first thing for anyone to know who's in that position is if you're already in a position where you could be buying a church, um, and I assume this is in the context of buying a formerly Catholic church, but um, some of those were also like, yeah. you know, it's a different situation if you're buying like a formerly Protestant church or, you know, kind of multi-denominational place of worship. Um, a Catholic church is a place that has been consecrated. And so um, it has to go through this process. Like once it's, you know, obviously it's been consecrated um, to reduce, I think it has to go through the process of then being uh, relegated back to profane use or yeah. to profane use. Um, and that's something that only the bishop can do. And so presumably you would not, you would never even have the chance to buy it until it had gone through this process, right? Yeah. And the bishop's only going to do this in a situation where, um, for where it, where it meets these criteria, we assume. Mm -hmm. um, he's consulted his council of priests. He's um, he's determined that you know he won't be depriving lots of the faithful of the sacraments by selling this building. Um, you know, it has to. You know, it it can't be an action that's going to cause grave harm to the life of the faithful in that area. So, by the time that it got to kind of the perspective of the person who could buy it you know, all the important stuff has already been decided. So yeah. Yeah. I would say, don't feel bad, but also why? Why would you, why would you buy a church? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, the Orthodox church is pretty. I would, I would live in an Orthodox church. Maybe. That's a, it's a really interesting question. I guess they would probably do something similar in terms of the, uh, the process of relegating it to, to secular use. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just here's here's another podcast sneak peek. Um, so my before deciding on social work as a career, journalism was up my alley. I spend much of my time doing journalism. Um, I actually just became editor in chief of our Catholic newspaper, The Torch, at BC the other day. I officially got the keys to the office. Casual. Um, yeah. um so and and I got like the credit card and whatnot. So I'm officially editor-in-chief. Um, anyway, where was I going with that? That that had a point. Um, Journalism, selling churches, buying churches. Oh, oh, <laughs> no, yes, <laughs> back on that. So we're launching an investigative journalism podcast at on Grexley um, very shortly. Um, launch date has not been determined at the time of recording, but it is shortly after um, season four of To the Heights. But I just had to go through all of a whole bunch of Archdiocesan archive documents um, about the decommissioning of a chapel and the moving of a chapel that actually happened to be a crypt of a former archbishop here. So there's a little, little sneak peek, but I just, I had to sift through all of that. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, it was, it was very cool. And then I got to like go to where I found the ruins of the chapel. Um, and it's like it kind of weird like just like the steps are left now and like half of a column kind of kind of weird but they they ended up moving like literally picking up and moving the church but like decommission i don't know i don't know where the rocks ended up but 
stay tuned for more. That's cool. I have, I've started to come to peace with the fact that like, there's a big part of me as a priest or just as a person that is a huge nerd and would love to study canon law to understand Mm -hmm. what, what goes on behind the scenes when all these different changes and transitions take place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like this whole situation of like, I don't know, there, there was so much that went into it and like the, this crypt being moved and like the city had to be involved. The church had to be involved. The family had to be involved. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I could see that being very interesting. I could see myself in law, but I don't need another career change. So you've gone through how many major changes at this stage? Too many. <laughs> yeah. Let's and not go there. Yeah. No, no. We, I think last year we might've counted on the podcast. I think um, we did. And I don't think I had finished the final. I think I said that I was like set in my ways. And then I ended up like internally transferring colleges at BC. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm double major and a minor and in a five-year program. And meh. They also like, they weren't at all similar. Like you went no. through like several wildly different disciplines. Yeah. I started in physics. Yeah. I'm no and you longer- went to, like you went from like physics to like what theology or something like that now um, you're in social physics to physics and theology environmental geoscience and theology journalism um now i'm theology applied psychology and human development in the school of education a minor in journalism and a fifth year master's in social work how's that going to fit on your diploma it's not i've actually <laughs> i've been dreaming if anyone has any ideas i've been dreaming of what i should put on my like you know how people like um, decorate their graduation caps. Right. Um, I never got to do that in high school because we didn't do that for whatever reason because it had to look all clean and pretty and everyone had to be matching. Um, but I was like, what can I do that like incorporates all of the things onto one cap? So just try and write it all and see if it fits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like curse it. Yeah. Yep. Or even like I, I just had to like I was looking at class rings the other day and like there aren't enough generally people like put their degree on the side of their ring at BC and like I can't what do do I put on the ring I can't I don't know I think I'm probably going to put MSW master's in social work and my graduation year for the social work degree I don't know that's that's a later problem that's officially a later problem don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good you know, I had a teacher in high school who said that all the time. And yeah, I needed it on repeat. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the next email now that we've sufficiently um, dissected your past life? Yeah. Yes, that (laughs) that too. Therese is still sitting in the corner and we talked about churches. We, We did not get into my love of the Greek Orthodox Church, but we don't need to go there either because no, no, it's fine. Um, As you were. <laughs> um, all right, next email. <laughs> Hello from New York. Um, we might skip. Okay, my, so this guy has two twin, well, twins, brother and sister who are 14, um, and then a younger sister. And he was wondering if we would be willing to suggest ways that they and maybe a few of their Catholic friends can become change makers, which full circle, that was the name of the Blink series that I did for Catholic TV that we were talking about before. Um, Ways that they can become change makers in this world. 
Life for young adults and teens is more complicated than ever in so many negative ways. They need direction, and sadly, the compass rarely leaves the pocket, which I love that. That is like poetic and beautiful. Um, so he is wondering if we can think of ways to offer encouragement and advice. That is a great question. Um, so I guess my initial reaction is to say two things. Um, and this is coming from my experience now as a pastor, seeing people of all ages getting involved in ministries and things. Mm-hmm. Um, my immediate reaction is to say two things. One is don't feel like you need to go somewhere to yes. do ministry. Like, mm-hmm. don't feel like you need to look outside the scope of where you are planted right now. Um, mm-hmm. You can do an enormous amount of good, especially as a young person, a lot of good you won't recognize from where you're standing, but just to build up your local church by serving it. Even now, even just as a high schooler or middle schooler, um, because when you are serving the church as a young person, um, and I say this with like, you know, I'm partly just kind of going off of what people tell me because they see me, I'm a young priest, I'm the youngest priest in my diocese. Mm -hmm. There's a certain value in giving your youth to the church. because you are telling people that the church is not something that's just, you know, something to fill the time. It's something worth giving your best years of your life, giving your energy to, uh, your full attention to. And very often, we will know um, our own homes the best in terms of knowing what we need to do to build it up. We'll see the need, perhaps. Um, Or maybe we don't. Maybe we need to take some time and reflect and look for that need. But either way, uh, most people can do an enormous amount of good and will do the best good by serving their local community. Now, the other thing I wanted to say is go somewhere else to look for ideas or look for inspiration to see what people are doing elsewhere that is working because it might help spark your imagination to bring something that is part of someone else's community, but not part of yours yet that could be. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think this is what a lot of Catholic media is good for is by helping spread some of that creativity and spread some of that energy. Um, You know, I mean, think of all the people you've interviewed in your podcast this Mm -hmm. season who are doing remarkable things for their own communities in different ways. Um, We can look outside our own bubble, but then, you know, bring it home, plant it, Mm -hmm. make it something that's true to your community. Yeah. That's my monologue. I like that. Yeah. It reminds me of the, um, I have a sticker on my laptop that's Mother Teresa and her whole quote of like, find your own Calcutta. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you can look at what she did in Calcutta, but you have to bring it home. Like, right. we don't need a hundred people there. Like, you can you need a hundred people in a hundred communities. Um, right. Well, yeah. our our vocation as Christians is to love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Not to you go know, find a neighbor way over there. Like, like, not love someone else's neighbor. Love your yeah. neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> like you have them right here. You don't have to go search. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say my advice. So I I read this question earlier and I was like, I don't know that this question could get me going in a hundred different directions. And I'm like, what, what kind of programs can I recommend? What kind of like, I don't know, I'm thinking about like Roots and Shoots, Dr. Jan Goodall's youth service organization. Like there are so many different things that I could do, but then I was like, well, what kind of like, what advice would I have wanted? And I feel like I don't know the whole like giving the church your youth and like the best years of your life sort of thing like I don't know I feel like you need to learn how to do sustainable ministry 
And you need to learn how to do that first before you like, I don't want to say dream too big, but like looking back, like there were so many phases of doing like youth, like activism that I was pouring myself out, not filling myself up enough. And I feel like you need to learn how to do that early on so that you're not like in college, like trying to figure out how not to run dry. Yeah. Um, And that's a really good point for anyone at any stage in ministry is to remember that the best thing you can do for the world collectively, or Mm -hmm. even your local community is for you yourself to be healthy and holy. Yes. Um, Right. Like your own call to holiness always comes first in any state in life, in any vocation, Mm -hmm. you need to focus on being who God made you to be. And the fruit of that is what will build up other people, right? It's Mm -hmm. like St. Paul says, we are all given gifts for the building up of the church, the building up of the body of Christ, but our part of the body of Christ has to be healthy too. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, I don't know, I just keep thinking about how like, sometimes the holiest thing that you can do is take a step back. Like Mm -hmm. it, it can be to leave that position of leadership, that, that identity as change maker and take a step back from it all so that you can make your part holy. It's very, very important. And this is something that's a big challenge for a lot of young people because every young person is going through the struggle in some way, shape or form, but to recognize where our identity is grounded, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is what will shape where your energy is poured out um, Mm -hmm. and what will shape where you are directing your life is to recognize that if our identity first and foremost comes from that identity as being a son or daughter of God, someone who is, you know, redeemed by Christ, someone who is loved by Christ, then we're able to receive and rest in that identity. And then once we're ready to hand that on to others in whatever way that looks like, you know, it might be practical, it might be spiritual, you know, there, there are any number of ways that can happen. Um, Mm -hmm. It could be a purely contemplative. There are so many ways, but the first key step, right, is grounding yourself in that love of Christ, right? Yeah. Yes, for sure. All right. Any, I feel like we brain dumped a lot of good things on that one. And I could I like rant it. and give homilies about that one forever. Yes. Yes. Um, I was just thinking of your, your homily screenshot the other day that you posted on Twitter, <laughs> of like you making a weird face and yes, I appreciate that. Um, and people had to caption it and yeah. It was taken in this very chair. It was. Oh. Hmm. Um, actually, I, so <laughs> smooth transitions. There's a question on here that says, how do you come up with your tweets, Father Cassidy? Would you like to share your Twitter wisdom with us? Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, my <laughs> best practices. <laughs> uh, so I guess if there's, I, I guess the question is like, like, how do I tweet or like, what, how do I come up with what I'm saying? Um, so before Twitter was a thing or before my Twitter was a thing, um, I would like to formally apologize to all of my friends who ever had to suffer through what I basically do on Twitter now to many, many people I used to do on small scale to a whole bunch of my friends, mm. i.e. just text them the random ridiculous thoughts that would pop into ah. my mind. Um, Catholic jokes, random stuff. Um, so many of my friends still suffer from this, but now I just have Twitter, which lets me do it to thousands of people instead of just two. Yeah. So uh, it, on some level, it's, um, no, I mean, that's the flippant answer, but it's, it's a couple of different things. Twitter for me, um, 
on the one hand, it's a forum for me to have community. So like for me, I just enjoy being part of the larger community of Catholics and seeing what everyone's up to. Um, does everyone get into fights on a regular basis? Yes. But yes. I mean, again, every community is like that. I don't really view that as better or worse in many ways than a lot of other places. Um, but I enjoy the community. I get to see good things that are happening in other parts of the church, hear the news, all that stuff that everyone else is enjoying on Twitter too. Uh, but for me as a priest, it's also a way to give a window into um, just the good side of being a priest. You know, that's that's always been my biggest objective is to share a little bit about good stuff that's happening in my life. Um, so I kind of approach it from a couple different angles. I usually, if something really good uh, is happening, like in my ministry as a priest or in my parish, I try and amplify that. I think Twitter and any social media in general works best as an amplifier for the good that is already in the world. Yes. Right. I think that's the media's role is to amplify the good. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that respect, I'm always just kind of, you know, in the back of my mind, if, if something pops out, I'm like, this is a good thing that is appropriate for me to share on a large scale with people and just kind of encourage people through the little window into some small good thing, right? Uh, you know, conversation, event, parish life, whatever, my own lived experience praying as a priest. So it's kind of all of the above. Sometimes I'm just chatting with people. Sometimes there's a particular thing I think would be edifying. And I, that I'll put a little bit more time and thought into how to do that. You know, um, does that, does that make sense? It's yes. kind of a bunch of different things, you know, Yeah. because I'm doing, I'm doing a whole lot of different stuff at once with one platform. Yeah. Yeah. The funny, the wholesome the window into a vocation that people wouldn't otherwise have like a candid window into amplifying right. what's happening locally. Yeah. There's a lot wrapped into that, but I think that was a solid, solid answer. Shall we um, rope Therese into our next question? Always. Yes. All right. Well, so this, some of these questions are for you. Some of them are for me. Some of them are for both of us. So this one is going to have to be for you though. I think it might've been intended for both of us. Um, <laughs> have you ever prayed the St. Therese Novena and experienced the Rose Miracle? Uh, so the answer is yes and no. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Say um, more. So I've, I'm, I, so I've, I've definitely prayed with St. Therese. I have in more occasions been the guy who delivers the Rose than the one who receives it. Ah, interesting. Because she and I have a good working relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the coolest things that ever happened with me with that was, um, I, ha I don't think this, that particular year I had prayed the novena. So I've never done it and then received like an actual flower. Okay. I have prayed novenas of varying lengths leading up to the feast day and received special clear graces from her. Mm -hmm. um, like usually in association with some person's life or, uh, you know, someone who's also closer to Rez, who like was popping into my life in a way that it was clear that the Lord was entrusting them to me as like a prayer intention or something mm -hmm. big was happening. A lot of different situations, yeah. um, very big. But uh, one particular case, I had a friend who, uh, this was my first year in seminary and um, there had been this prayer campaign where on the feast of St. Therese, we were supposed to encourage someone we thought would be a good religious 
mm-hmm. we would like you know, basically take that day and say, hey, I think you'd be a good religious. You know, mm-hmm. you ever thought about it? You know, sort of like a vocation campaign. Yeah. Um, and like the thing had been like the like, sort of hook of it was to give someone a rose, like a physical flower. Mm-hmm. Um, and one year I'd done that. Like when I when I was in college, I'd given a, a rose to someone with like the appropriate kind of preamble. It's like this is not just a random flower. I'm trying yeah. to affirm your vocation. Um, that year I had just entered seminary, and mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I'm a seminarian giving a girl a flower might be weird. I'm not sure I want to do this. Um, and I was like, I still feel like I should do something. Like it's just kind of like on my on my heart. Yeah. Like not to do like the vocation side of it, but just like. I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to do something for this feast day. And then I remembered I had in my backpack from a retreat I'd been on that summer, a rose colored rosary with rose patterns on it. It's like, hmm, hmm. this seems relevant. So I grabbed that out of my backpack um, and I was walking across campus. I was like, who am I supposed to give this to? I don't even have a plan. Like, yeah, I'm just like going purely on prayer intuition in this moment. Yeah. And I saw a friend of mine who like, well, I mean, friend is a strong word for our relationship at that point. Like, like casual acquaintance I'd hung out with twice. <laughs> um, just like a friend of a friend. Yeah. It's like, I feel like I'm supposed to give this to her. So I'm like, hey, how are you? <laughs> this is random. But consider this your rose from St. Therese. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is, I'm going purely off of like pure prayer intuition. Like I didn't normally yeah. do this stuff, but um, just felt very right. I gave it to her and then she had to like run off and catch a friend for lunch and I had to run off and go to class. Yeah. And so like all through the rest of the day, I'm thinking, I really hope that was not the weirdest thing that has ever happened to this poor person. Because <laughs> it was seemed completely random. And then at the end of the day, I'm walking back across campus and I see her from across the, the, the campus field and she's like waving at me, flagging me down. I'm like, okay, guess I better go talk to her. Yeah. Um, I walk back and she's like, so <laughs> you didn't know any of this. However, several days ago, St. Therese is my patron saint. And I had basically gotten into a fight with her because I felt like she didn't care about my life anymore. Hmm. She said, I had basically told St. Therese like, hey, like, I would love to hear from you if you you know, actually care about what's going on. But then she forgot she prayed that. Oh. And then like three days later, I just like roll up. I'm like, here's your rose. Yeah. <laughs> huh. um, so that was a, a particularly significant grace for her. Um, yeah. It sparked a long running friendship between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And here's the punchline. Yeah. She is now a cloistered Carmelite nun. That's cool. Yeah. So um, this was the, it sparked a friendship that evolved into her discerning becoming a Carmelite. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she entered formation with the Carmelite several years ago. And this past summer, in the middle of all the crazy of COVID, Mm -hmm. I was able to preside for her first vows as a Carmelite nun. That is very awesome. Yeah. That, yeah. You had a story to answer that question. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. Okay, we can end the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. You're just like leaning on one elbow and the relic like, is like right. To, like, my work here is done. Yeah, here's my girl. <laughs> yeah, that, yep. I don't have anything to add to that. You want to do another question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna, 
Um, speaking of vocations, um, so the whole like some of these questions are for you, some of them are for me. Couldn't tell on this one. I thought um, this was going to be the cheese question, but okay. <laughs> it's not the cheese question. I'm sorry. Not we yet. Can do that. We can do that next. Um, did you consider a vocation in a religious order? Now, at first, I thought that this question was for me because that makes sense. I thought it was for you. Yeah, but also, did you? Like, uh, sense? Have I? Uh, I have certainly considered a religious vocation. Um, it's pop It popped up in my discernment several times. Okay. But, I mean, the clearest answer I can give, like, I mean, I don't know. The way the question is phrased, the answer yeah. is yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, it's definitely, I, I can say, like, one one thing that's certainly true is my religious vocation has been heavily or my priestly vocation mm -hmm. has been heavily influenced by the spirituality of religious orders mm -hmm. and so for that reason you know i found myself um regardless of where i was in the discernment process i've often been in significant ways formed by the religious in my life so mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I have lots of thoughts on that. That's like a sort of side tangent, side conversation. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. I love <laughs> I have a very close relationship with a lot of religious communities. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, the answer for me is not "did you," but "do you." Um, I am not at that stage of my life yet. I I should like to finish college, though. I do regularly think about not, um, but that that is not for now. Um, We'll bracket that one. Yeah. Yeah. We can revisit. If this becomes a yearly thing, we can, we can just keep revisiting that. And hopefully I have read Story of a Soul at that point in time. And Therese and Olivia Rose are friends. Um, yes. Um, if you were a cheese, what would you be and why? If I were a cheese, um, huh, uh, I feel like I'm supposed to answer uh, like a semi-soft chevre, maybe. Um, and why? Uh, one, because goats. Two, um, because it's a great balance of flavor profiles. And uh, I like to think I can be all things to all people, much like chevre can be all things to all your dishes. <laughs> uh, yes. And which was it? the van episode or the quarantine episode that we went into in depth about goat cheese if people want more on that that was we probably did that in the second episode i feel like we were trying to take things seriously in the first one yeah we we did talk about being gluten-free catholics in the first one but that was more yeah. i i don't know if it was relevant to the audience but it was relevant to the people inside the van it was um, relevant to us because we were suffering through lunch that day oh my goodness yes <laughs> um yeah that that we can we can attend seek this year and we can make our own beautiful you could have goat cheese for lunch if you wanted gluten-free dining is going to be better sorry guys yeah yeah <laughs> seek from home yeah um if i were a cheese i would like to be feta cheese yeah that that works yeah i i don't i don't know <laughs> my love for all things greek perhaps um I, being a crumbly person I don't I don't know if that's a good thing I don't know if I identify with that but um I, I like feta cheese and I feel like it's tangy and adds lots of things it's small but it adds a lot of flavor 
small yet tangy. Yes, there we go. <laughs> I didn't know that that was how I wanted to describe myself, but yeah. alas. How, how would you want to be remembered at the end of your life? <laughs> small yet tangy. <laughs> On like the bottom of your like saint card. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> like in quotation marks. I, yes. Um, should that be the episode title? <laughs> be, the episode? The be the cheese you wish to see in the world. <laughs> that that you just you won that that's the episode title um and if it's not it's going heavily on catholic twitter um yeah uh do you have a word of the year uh oh man now i'm trying to remember um is this in reference to Jen Fulalo's word of the year generator? Because yes. I think it is. It is. Um, yes. I mean, it doesn't have yeah. to, like you can just pick one if you want it. But no, I, I actually did get one, and I'm trying mm -hmm. to remember what it was um, because I remember my saint. I remember I got Saint Sebastian. Um, I got Sebastian too. Oh wow! Hmm. He is looking out for both of us. That's oh. fascinating. Yes. We'll have to we'll have to discern what this means. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to scan back through my photo archive and see if I can figure out what my word was. Go for it. My um, word what was yours? is change. Um oh. which at first I I resisted the temptation to reshuffle because that is that button is tempting. Um, because part of me like, I don't know, like it is very fitting with the whole like change maker, social justice, whatnot. Um also like personal change and growth and college and whatnot. Um, I don't know, but I, I feel like there's opportunity for like discerning what that meaning is on a smaller, beautiful level. I found my word. So my yeah. word, my word was dig. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what that means at all. Dig, like dig a hole. I, yeah i dig, i don't know there but like I'm dig just, deep i don't know yes there you go i'm reflecting upon like how what we said last year on this episode like you <laughs> i want it to be the year of video <laughs> i don't know by the end of 2021 you could know exactly what dig means i regret saying that i wanted this to be the year of video because I thought I was going to be like a hardcore YouTuber. And what actually happened was I just ended up live streaming everything. Yeah, that, yeah, no, we're going to rewind time. I don't know. Therese was listening too heavily to you. <laughs> Side eye to the relic. Um, what has been your favorite music lately? Huh. Um, so I'm doing like, um, I am currently with uh, a bunch of the guys from my parish. I'm taking on most of the practices that they are doing Exodus 90 because mm -hmm. I wanted to see what that was like from the inside. Everyone kind of, yeah, you know, has strong feelings about it one way or the other. So yes. I said, hey, the best thing I should do is like just jump in as a priest and one, try and make sure no one goes crazy. Yeah. And two, um, you know, I'll have data for the next time someone brings it up in a conversation. Yeah. So one of those practices I have taken on and stuck to pretty much perfectly so far has been only listening to, uh, it's very broadly phrased in the actual instructions that says music that lifts the soul to God, which I could like, you know, make some obtuse argument and say, there are many things that lift my soul to God. Mm -hmm. But what I basically turned that into was like it either religious music or um, like, 
purely orchestral, like like you know, classical or you know, soundtracks in a, a couple cases. I've listened to a couple soundtrack things, but mostly like music from Christian artists or um yeah, like like instrumental stuff, like yeah. or classical music, you know, Renaissance polyphony, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um now I've mixed in some like, you know, Christian rock in cases of like, I also need something to listen to when I'm working out. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, Gregorian chants a little strange for lifting or running, but I like um, <laughs> so I, all of that is a long preamble to say, uh, I have a couple different ideas or suggestions for anyone who wants Christian music right now. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, if you want, I guess I'll give two, I'll give, okay. two, I'll give a, like a, like a heavy category and a classical category. So like the low key classical type stuff, listen to, uh, Tomas Luis de Victoria, who is my favorite Renaissance polyphony composer. Hmm. Uh, we use some of his music when I was ordained for oh. my ordination liturgy. Yeah. Fun. Very and fun. then if you want like heavy thrashing guitars, listen to Theocracy. Huh. That, that is a wonderful name. For yeah. It. That is great. Um, my two suggestions to balance both of those. Um, I have been loving Need to Breathe's new album, Out of Body. Ooh. It's very good. Wait, um, I need to listen to that. Yeah, it very solid. Um, and then Corey Asbury just did a live show, like a live stream live show, but it's on Spotify. It's called To Love a fool i think to love a fool um and it's very good it's some of the songs that like he published elsewhere but it's very like worshipy um and like lots of like spontaneous and stuff like that so that has been very nice and i shall incorporate both into i am starting up praise and worship again for the semester um adoration at bc so in your infinite free time infinite free time so much so that I have tendonitis now in my left hand from playing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yes. So yeah, <laughs> tune back in to see how Olivia plays guitar once a week for many hours, but it's fine. It's all good. I'm great. <laughs> um, next question. What should we, is there any question that is speaking to you or Therese? Uh, that's a dangerous way to phrase that. Um, yeah I, I was gonna i was gonna go with what is your favorite latin phrase um mm. which the only answer i have is like a really a really stupid answer um i want to hear it but i won't let that stop me um so i always joke that if i were going to be made a bishop and this is hopefully the kind of thing i'm saying right now that will keep me from being made a bishop um i you know, I would have to pick an Episcopal motto, right? Yes, yeah. You have to pick a motto for your coat of arms. So the Latin phrase I've always said I would choose if someone made me be a bishop is uh, from the Gospel of John. It's noli me tangere, which all you good Latinists out there know means do not cling to me. Yes. Yeah. There, there's a famous painting, I, I think. I studied it in my sacramental art class um, that... I forget what the painting is. I'll put it in the show notes if it's I remember like it. Jesus the gardener. Yeah. One. Yeah. 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 That was that freshman year sacramental art memories are coming back. Um, yeah. 
My favorite Latin phrase happens to be, I almost just tried to show you, but it's on my laptop. So that would not have gone over well. Um, different people pronounce it different ways, but totus deus, um, JP2's papal motto. That's a classic. Yes. Yeah. I used to, my first Marian consecration chain had that like engraved in a charm. Um, and then I lost it when I was in Haiti. <laughs> and we <laughs> and all... I proceeded to lose every consecration chain every time I was in Haiti. And then sometimes I would give them away, but that that's why I don't wear a consecration chain anymore. But, you know, yeah. Um, this here's a, here's a funny question that we can answer if we want to and not if we don't. Someone, I know who it is. Um, you remember Ava, she was at, she was at um, SLS last year. Um, she put on the Instagram like swipe up um, for ideas for questions, hacks on how to be a confident queen. And as I was putting together this Google Doc, I had my other friend Sarah here and she she did not agree. Um, and I was like, why do people think that I'm a confident queen on social media? Like, I don't, I don't understand. She's like, I think you're a liar on Twitter. That's who you are. Direct quote. I don't know. Ava, Ava is the confident queen. If you need confidence, that's all I have on that. Yeah. I don't think any of those are questions that I'm qualified to answer. No. Yeah. I don't think I'm qualified either. I, I direct back to Ava. She, and honestly, any, like anyone who is involved in focus, like the, like happy bubbly missionary, like wholesomeness, I am directing to that, which there is plenty of that at this conference. Um, yeah. All right. This is a big question. We only have a few more questions. Um, what is the best advice that you have ever been given? Oh man. What That's is the best question. advice I've ever been given? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's the, what would be the best advice. The very first thing that came to mind, um, was just, I don't know exactly how he phrased it, um, but my spiritual director in seminary at one point, um, he basically told me, like, focus on what is right in front of you and happening to you right in the moment. Um, mm. This was at a moment where I was, like, for context, I was going through as much of my seminary was was like, was this, uh, this time of, like, being very future-focused. Mm-hmm and very future concerned. A lot of young people struggle with this. Um, like this great worry about what the future was going to be like and where I was going and what my trajectory was and all that stuff, you know, the usual discernment was. Mm-hmm. And um, his advice for what to do as a sort of spiritual practice was, um, he, he kind of gave me a couple different options for how to do it, but it was like, he said, you need to learn how to eat an orange that was the that was the the first the first permutation of this this project, mm-hmm. but the idea was like, <laughs> take like twenty minutes to eat like one orange and just you know feel the texture you know mm-hmm. like it was like, I think there are parallels in grounding exercises and yes. other places. I'm thinking right? of one right now. Yes. Right. 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 Yeah. So like actually the same idea from a sort of spiritual perspective mm-hmm. to say, focus on peeling the orange and mm-hmm. eating the orange and what is the texture, what is the taste, mm-hmm. and like. Um, I was like, can I do this with a cup of coffee? Cause that is more of my speed. And he said, <laughs> yes, yes. Coffee will work too. So mm-hmm. I've, you know, have enjoyed many slow cups of coffee that way mm-hmm. just to focus 
like like it was sort of a way of just calling to mind the fact that holiness is not something that happens in the future it is a series of choices to choose the good in whatever moment you are living right now right yeah. and mm-hmm. so you have to be mindful of where you are and where god is and what he's doing right now to choose mm-hmm. that again and again and again as opposed to always being worried um saint francis mm-hmm. de sales talks about these two different senses of the will of god like there's the will of god for your future right this big overarching plan but there's also God's permissive will of letting you be where you are right yeah. now, yep. right? And he wills you to be there. You exist. Here you yeah. are. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That the, the orange thing reminds me of like, I don't know, the like different sensory grounding things, but also um, one of my social work loves is dialectical behavioral therapy, which is big and fancy DBT, but it it's based off of a lot of its um, different monastic spiritualities woven into a form of therapy, which is very cool. And one of the skills in it is called one mindfulness. And it's a very prayerful thing of like, I'm going to do one thing with my whole mind at one time. Um, I'm just going to eat this orange and nothing else. Um, Which actually, ironically, the best advice that I was thinking about that I've been given. Um, I was reflecting back to, I think, I think it was end of high school. Um, but I had gotten wrapped up in a friend group situation in the, I don't know, like a bunch of Catholic teens that had gotten kind of like overly into like the spiritual warfare side of things and like focusing too heavily on that. Um, and like so much so that like our, I don't know. And I, in spiritual direction, this awesome priest was just like, I just want you to be daddy's little girl. Like, don't like focus your eyes up, like stop. I don't know. Kind of like, this is your one job. Like eat the orange, (laughs) be daddy's little girl, be a daughter of the father. And like, just don't even care about that. Like, I mean, yes, there is a time and a place and like, absolutely. Um, but like, I don't know, just focus on being a daughter of the king and nothing else matters. If you like that, you know what book you should read? What? Story of a soul. Why did I fall for, why did I like fall for it as if it's a bad thing? But like, it's like, what book? (laughs) Yep. I'm, yep. I'm just saying. I'm currently working on um, Dorothy Day's autobiography. Oh, that's cool. I haven't read that. It is very good. Um, The forward is written by a Jesuit who seems like the coolest guy ever and used to be on the FBI's most wanted list for like all the activism work he did that's that's what I aspire not not the FBI (laughs) (laughs) not that but like that level of activism and writing a forward for (laughs) Dorothy Day's autobiography who among us has not aspired to be on the FBI FBI watch list almost feel like that should be cut from the podcast (laughs) i'll let you discern that editing later yeah yep okay editing olivia good luck um all right next question um is there any question that we haven't there there is one question that i'm avoiding because i know i could go on a rant and i know because we have to finish up at some point but we got a lot of good questions um many more than are getting in here But one of the questions that I got directed for me um, is why do you have an assistance dog? Um, I I don't know. I 
I went back and forth and back and forth. And I, I feel like their they're, whole podcast could be made on this, right? But a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people with disabilities could be offended by the question of like, I don't know, you don't go up to someone and ask them like, why, why do you use a wheelchair? You know what I mean? Um, I feel like I'm not being eloquent here, but I was like thinking over my answer to this question earlier. Um, it's actually illegal in the US for like a business owner or someone to ask you this question. Um, you're only allowed to ask like, is it a task trained service dog? Yes or no. Um, if so, what tasks are they trained in? And if your answer is no, they're not a service dog, then why are you bringing them into the store? Like, et cetera. Um, I don't know, but I, since, since the last time we've recorded a podcast, I know that we've talked about it, but I have a wonderful little girl, um, who has absolutely changed my life in lots of ways, um, and helped mitigate disability and whatnot. And I feel like there needs to be a bigger place for disability discourse in the Catholic church. Um, I feel like the only time that we really, there are some wonderful people on Twitter. I'm thinking of bubbly Catholic Lizzie, um, there, but like, I feel like the only time that we really talk about disability is in a demeaning, like, I don't know, like caring for, like caring for the sick sort of way or in discourses about abortion. And I feel like we need to expand that conversation. So that's why I included this question in here um, is I feel like we need more people who are disabled and are like fu highly functioning and like proving I don't know, not proving, but like just out there in the church being like, we are part of this too. We are not the sick to be cared for necessarily, though we are all the sick to be cared for, but no more than anyone else. Right. Yeah. There's my el not so eloquent thoughts. Yeah. I mean, the, I don't know. The only thing I would have to add to that is like, it's good for people to be conscious that the cross comes to everyone. Yes. And the way in which it will come is not up to you. Mm -hmm. um, and you may not see it. It may be very visible. It may be not visible at all. Mm -hmm. But everyone gets the cross. Yeah. Uh, so don't, you know, <laughs> you know, don't pretend that it won't, that you won't have a share of the cross and mm -hmm. don't uh, assume that you understand someone else's. Yes. Yes. That's such a good, yeah. Yeah. So many ties into it. I just got out of a social work class and we were talking about targeted versus dominant identities and like so many good things there. But one of the, one of the lessons I've learned a lot since having a service dog and I've only had her for a few months, but like one of them is starting to understand a piece of the cross for people. Like I, I assume a privilege even in the disabled community that I can pass as able-bodied if I want to. I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm not like, I don't have any medical devices that I have can be covered by clothes. Like I don't, nobody needs to know unless I want them to. Um, but having an animal <laughs> next to me defeats that completely. Um, and I think I've gotten a taste of that and, and like can better empathize with people who don't have that choice um, and who get stared at, who get, I don't know, like, I mean, having a living animal <laughs> next to you is a good way to get stared at in spaces that living animals are not usually in um so That's i feel true. like i've learned a lot of i don't know lessons in humility and empathy and like just wondering like what it must be like for other people um as well yeah that's what i have to say on that matter um i definitely wanted to include that i wasn't sure what to include about it but 
I think it's a good question. I'm not offended by it, but I feel like there is more room for discussion about it. So did we miss any questions? I feel like we might have. Uh, what is your favorite place on earth? Haiti. Haiti. Yeah. <laughs> the chapel of the Kymery Orphanage at Haiti 180. How about you? I have a couple of favorite places. Um, my favorite place that I really, really discovered in recent years, I guess recent months, recent years, last <laughs> two years, um, almost two years ago now, um, was I got to visit the Basilica of Mary Queen of Apostles in Rome, mm -hmm. which is in some ways sort of like, I don't know, it's sort of become like ground zero for my spirituality. Uh, it's mm -hmm. where the patron of my priesthood is buried, Father James Alberioni, Blessed mm -hmm. James Alberioni. Uh, it's also this gorgeous three-leveled church. Um, uh, it's this really, really beautiful. Um, I mean, it's this beautiful visualization of Mary's role as the the great proto-apostle and like mm -hmm. her role as modeling the, the the role of one who gives Christ to the world. Uh, and so in a lot of ways, that's like, if you had to pick like one structure or something to kind of embody my spirituality, you know, in whatever symbolic way you did that, yeah. it would be there. That is mm. one of my very favorite places. I want to go back. Mm. I want to go there now. <laughs> it's really cool. Like it's it probably something in Rome that almost no one has ever seen. Yeah. That when huh. they go, it's not like a big tourist destination. Interesting. Is it like a Pauline headquarter of sorts or is it just a... It is the Pauline headquarters. Okay. So All it's... Right. um. I could, I could rant about this. So <laughs> Father James Alberioni, when World War II broke out, if memory serves, um, promised Our Lady, uh, like, I think like a bomb landed or something um, like in Rome while he was there. And he promised Our Lady that if all the Paulines survived the war, mm -hmm. he would build a basilica there in her honor. Huh. And so it's built in honor of, uh, she did protect the Pauline family. Yeah. Um, and now the generalate houses, the central governments of all the different branches all mm -hmm. are around this big, big, big church. Cool. Um, and the second level, I think in particular is structured in such a way so that like all the branches have like their own little section, basically yeah. so all, they can all be together and worship together for like a really big event or something. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. It's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Plus he's buried there. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right, I have one last question that I think we should wrap up on. Um, so obviously we cannot predict what SLS, or not SLS, SEEK is going, this is a completely uncharted um, conference. We don't know what the experience is going to be like, but given that we have both been to conferences before, um, what advice would you give to someone attending SEEK um, and just the whole experience um, and what parts of it might transfer. What, what did, this is my version of the what advice can you give to listeners? Yeah, so once you've gone through this whole experience um, and certain things have struck you, you know, whether intellectually or experientially, uh, spiritually, maybe practical ideas for ministry, whatever it is, um, I strongly encourage everyone who's gone through this to, instead of just kind of riding the emotional high of that for a while, try and write that down and come up with a concrete idea for how it will apply in your life now in your local community or in your spiritual life or in your prayer life. Um, like make it really concrete as a resolution to try like that one thing or those three or four or five things. Um, because for me, I had a bunch of good things come out of 
the last year, but some of them are just small things that came out of casual conversation. Like mm-hmm. I reshaped the way I did wedding preparation based on a casual conversation I had with one priest in uh, mm-hmm. one of the breakout sessions. Uh, he had some really good feedback and ideas for how to do marriage prep. And I implemented that in my ministry, like as soon as I got back. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of break it down for yourself at some point, if you can, um, so that you don't lose the fruits. It's a yeah. good thing to do with any retreat or conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Similar to that. And back to our journaling conversation, like I, I definitely was a big note taker in all of the talks, which is something that can definitely transfer to, um, everything being virtual this year. And I dedicated a few pages in this section of the notebook. Um, are you pulling out your journal? <laughs> I think I've got my journal from last year. Ah, um, I set aside a few pages and I, I feel like it's a big, I mean, some retreat conference experiences, like there's the retreat, which is like more, there's the conference. I don't know, like they're separate experiences and conference. I feel like for me has always been more about like inspiration and like this, like I don't know, colliding of different ideas and speakers and people that you meet and all sorts of lots of inspiration and creativity. And I wrote down all of these crazy creative ideas, big or small people that I wanted to have on the podcast books that I wanted to read story of a soul (laughs) and like different, like, I don't know, big things like a nonprofit that I want to start someday, like all of these crazy ideas and these little ideas And I just keep going back to those pages of the journal throughout the year um, being like, where am I on this? Or like, I need more podcast guests. Like who was I thinking of um, during SLS last year or seek the year before? Um, Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know, don't let that creativity and that spark burn out or disappear. Like get it down on paper before it leaves. Yeah. Yeah. And remember that, like that, that feeling of inspiration, um, that's just the spark. Like yes, every, <laughs> I can tell you from having done a whole lot of media ministry this year, like a mm-hmm. lot of really good stuff still has phases of not feeling inspired. Like there's probably going to be a grind in there somewhere. Yes. Um, and that is not a sign that it is not from God. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just a sign that you need to put your natural gifts of grit and intellect to work. Uh, in addition to the graces of inspiration God gives you. Um, I just found my notes from last year's SLS. I think I need to go back and do the exact same thing. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I probably need to, maybe we can use the same notebooks this year and just continue the pages. Yeah. All right. Any last parting words for our Seek attendance this year? Um, probably the best thing I can say right now, uh, just based on my experience of the last year, is find and maintain community. Because community is one of the things that has suffered the most during COVID, uh, Mm -hmm. during this year. Um, And community is one of the things that helps us the most in the spiritual life because it keeps us accountable. It keeps us accountable to God, to each other. Um, Community inspires us. Community will um, give us direction. And in other people, we will find the gifts that we need to be holy. So always be part of the community because that's what the church is all about. Yeah. Being part of the body of Christ. Yes. We've made it full circle. I couldn't have said it better myself. All right. St. Therese, pray for us. Or a pro nobis. Yes.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this super fun episode of the To The Heights podcast, um, either at Seek 21 or if you are a regular listener later on. Um, and a big thank you to Father Cassidy, as always, for joining us. Um, we had so much fun. Like we mentioned in the episode, March 1st is the date that season four of To the Heights will be airing. It's crazy that we're already on season four. Um, it feels like just yesterday that I texted Bishop Reed and was like, hey, I think I might want to start a podcast. Does Catholic TV want to be part of this? Um, and the rest is history. Like we also mentioned in the episode, there are some awesome podcasts coming out of Grexley and some new ones coming up. Um, one of our one of my favorite episodes or podcasts um, is the St. Dipness Playbook by Tommy Ty um, at the GH is silent on Twitter. He is a marriage and family therapist um, from California and he absolutely rocks it. He takes questions from listeners about mental health, mental illness, um, and the faith and answers them in these super fun um, kind of like social media oriented episodes. So definitely recommend listening to that. Um, we're about to, at the time that you're listening to this, the first episode will probably be up, but we have a new podcast launching from Teresa Zoe Williams um, called Up Too Late, um, and so fun. Um, very fun. We also have um, a new spoken word poetry Catholic um podcast that just wrapped up a finite fix series um, from Claire McCallan. So many fun things. You can find all of our podcasts on grexley.com or whatever podcasting app you prefer. Um, and if you feel called to support this media endeavor, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash grexley. If you have a guest recommendation, I know that this forum um, at Seek in particular is always chock full of inspiration and ideas. If you have a guest or a topic that you would like us to cover or you just want to say hi um, or ask a question for a future um, question podcast, our email is totheheightspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow Father Cassidy on Twitter at The Happy Priest. Be sure to check out his podcast side by side as well on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Um, and you can follow along with the podcast social media as well. You can find me on social media at Live Fully Alive, L I V, um, play on my name. Um, just changed all my social media handles from what I made in like seventh grade. Um, <laughs> and my website is oliviarosart.com. Um, and you can find more on there. Um, I hope everyone is well during this crazy time. I hope if you're at Seek, you are enjoying it um, and just soaking up that inspiration and that fire and you're ready to carry it out into the world. All right, we will talk to you soon and keep on reaching to the heights. Mm -hmm.